0: If you have your Bibles tonight, you'll find yourself in 1 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to be picking up in verse number 22. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 22. This message this evening is entitled, A Photo Album of the Church. Now we're, my family, we we take pictures, but we're really not into it like some of you. Some of you take pictures of grass growing and uh, pictures of your feet and, you know, you just take pictures of everything. Now, I'm not trying to be offensive, uh, but some of you act like those uh, Japanese tourists that we had in Florida where they take pictures of everything. And they're always smiling. (laughs) Uh, But um, one of the things that I i have understood is that when you go and, and maybe somebody that you're, you don't know that well, and you go visit them, and uh, they'll, they'll pull out a photo album, and they'll show you, you know, like special events in their family, and as you go through this photo album, you kind of get a sense of what this family's about. Now, well, we don't have a lot of photo albums, but we do have the photo album of our wedding, And I'm just going to go ahead and set the record straight. I looked at those pictures, and we've been married going on 30 years now. I looked just about as young then as I do now. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Now, there's a couple exceptions. In the wedding picture, I had hair, which I don't have now. And also, I was... uh, a little bit thinner. Well, I was a lot thinner. (laughs) But other than that, I'm still pretty young looking. Now, if you believe that, I would like to sell you some property in Phoenix that has Oceanside View. That is not the case. But here, we're looking in First Peter, uh, and we see that uh, Peter gives us a, a photo gallery or a photo album of what the church should look like or a picture of the church. Now, you'll notice in the outline, it's just two snapshots, but it's more than two snapshots, and I'll explain later. But the two snapshots that I have in the outline is a snapshot of love, And a snapshot of what love has produced, if you will. We see also is a snapshot of food. And say, yep, they are right. We're in a Baptist church. That goes well. We're not talking about that kind of food. But here in verse number 22, listen to what the Bible says. It says, seeing we have... Purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto sincere love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Verse number 23. He says, now being born again. Now, this, as I talk about the snapshot of love understand that that snapshot, I, I should have made list of it, is that we should have a snapshot of the new birth. See, a picture of the church is a picture of those who have been born again. And because we've been born again, that produces some other snapshots. We're going to explain a little bit more says being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of the incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. And the grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But look at. But, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Now we move into chapter 2. Wherefore? Just what we just said. Now he's going to add to that. He says, wherefore? Laying aside all malice and all guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speaking. As newborn babes desire desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so, be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious." So tonight, very quickly, we're going to look, we're going to look at a photo album of the church. This is what the church could, should look like. As I've already made mention, the snapshot uh, of being born again. And the reason why I didn't list that is because uh, of love. Because when you're born again, one of the natural byproducts, if you will, should be love, right? And so the first thing that we look at is a snapshot of love. Now understand, uh, Peter uh, uses uh, uh, two meanings of this word love. Uh, one of the words is uh, where we get to Philadelphia, brotherly love. We talked about this uh, in the verses uh, leading up to this. He talks about brotherly love, how we ought to love our brothers and sisters. But then he also makes reference to agape love. And agape love is a God kind of love. And so, having said all of that, uh, let's set the stage and uh, see the process here. First of all, the Bible tells us, and the text that we read, is that you must be born... Again, And so this photo uh, gallery, this photo album should have a picture of the new birth. Uh, the, a, new, uh, a new nature. Uh, uh, we're new creatures, are we not? And because of that, notice how he says in the verses that we just read. Notice how the new birth came about is that you obeyed truth. See, you read the truth, which is the Word of God. You read the truth that says that you were a sinner. And he goes on and says that there's done good, no, not one. That's the truth, is it not? Because that's what the Word of God says about us. He goes on and tells us the truth that our righteousness is like filthy rags. And so we understand he doesn't stop there, but we are reminded that we deserve death and hell. Uh, so we see that's the truth but also we see the truth where it says Jesus speaking here he says uh, I have come to give life and life more abundant he doesn't stop there he says and I've come to give everlasting life and then when you go into Romans chapter 10 it gives us the truth it says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart see the truth of the matter is that you are only saved when you come to recognize that you're lost and undone and you're on the way to hell. That's the truth. That's what the truth says about you. And that's what the truth says about me. But it goes on and says that you do not have to continue to live like that because Jesus Christ came and He died for your sins. That's true. The, the, the Word of God says He died for your sins. But not just your sins but the sins of the world. That's the truth. And so we are Understand Now, he doesn't stop there, but he says that you have to confess. You have to repent. See, for you to be saved and for you to experience the new birth, you have to confess your sins and you have to repent of your sins and you have to recognize that you could not do anything. It wasn't because of your works, but because of the grace of God. And the truth of the matter is that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth and by faith call upon the wonderful sweet name, of the Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 10 13 says, Who shall ever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved? That's truth. And we obeyed that truth. And because we obeyed that truth, we have new life in Jesus Christ. That's what the picture of the church should look like. It should be a picture of those who have been born again. But not that, how does what happens when you obey the truth? And what happens when you have this new birth? He says in the text here that he it will purify your souls. So what are we talking about here? Does that mean that we become perfect? Oh no, no, no. But what it means is that we have been purified because of our new birth. And we're purified because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that He has turned your old nasty sinful nature, He has covered it by His blood And uh, because uh, of the blood, He has made your sins as white as snow. The word white always is symbolic of purity. You need to understand tonight, I need to understand tonight, that we are a family of believers, we are the church, and we're born again. And if we've been born again, we've been purified in our souls. And so now when we stand before a holy, just God, He's not going to see us uh, as we were. He's going to see us as we're going to be. And He looks through us. He looks through us through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And when He looks through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, He sees us as pure and as holy. You've been purified tonight. And so notice the process here. Because we've been purified in our hearts, we're now able to love others. See, in your own nature, you cannot do that. Now you can manufacture up some kind of a love, or what you called love. But here, the scripture is quite clear. He says, a genuine love. And you can only have a genuine love because you've had the new birth. And the only way you had the new birth is because you obeyed truth. And when you obeyed truth and you had the new birth, you were purified. And because you have a pure heart now, you're able to love others like you should be loving others. That's what the church should look like. But then in Romans chapter 5, verse number 5, it says that the love of God is now in us. See, the only reason why you're able to love, and I'm talking about a sincere love. I'm talking about real love. I'm talking about unconditional love. I'm talking about an agape, a God kind of love. The, the only way we can do that is because the love of God is in us. And when the love of God is in us, then we're able to love like we've been commanded and been instructed to. Are you with me tonight? And the, So we, we see now... A oh, sincere love what's a sincere love? A sincere love would change your motivation. See, before you were purified before you got saved, you were very selfish. Now let's just go in a minute. We were only concerned with ourselves. but now that the love of God is in us. Our motivation is not what we're going to get out of this deal, but what are we going to give? You see the difference? See, the church, even though many people uh, treat it as such, church is not a place for you to get. Church is a place where you get to give. And we can only have that motivation when we have... The love of Jesus in our hearts. But notice it doesn't say only a sincere love, but he says a ver- fervent love. Interesting word. It's an athletic term. It's talking about someone that's participating in type of game. Oh, That word fervent means striving. It means you have a strong desire. Oh, I don't know if you're into hockey or not, but... Uh, of course, the Predators, that, that's a big deal now. And, uh, I, Siri helped me keep them form. I didn't watch the game, so I said, Siri, what's the score? Three to nothing, end of the first period. I said, man, they got this thing. Yeah. Apparently, they thought they got two. Th- but So I got to, uh, uh, Siri, and it's the second quarter now. It's tied up. I said, Okay. So I got busy and doing that. I come back and I said, Siri. And by the way, that, that's my phone. I'm, I'm not, it's not, I got another woman or something, okay? <laughs> Even though sometimes I feel connected, you know, like, Siri, I love you. <laughs> Help me. And, 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 and so, uh, kind of erase that from your memory banks. <laughs> and, and, and so, I, I, you know, and I said, What's the Predator's score? The Predator's loss. Seven to four. I said, "How can that happen? Now, I don't know. I'm sure they, they played hard all the way through, but it would seem to me is that maybe that desire, or maybe overconfidence, got the best of them. Here he's talking about a fervent love. He's talking about a strong desire. See, this kind of love that we're talking about, a God kind of love, it's not based on feelings, but it's based on willing. Are you willing to love? See, that's the question that we have to answer tonight. Are we willing to love others like God loves? And the only way we can achieve that is by having the love Of the Lord Jesus Christ in us. And the only way that we have the love of Jesus Christ residing in us. Is because we have become a new creature. We have a new life in Jesus Christ. And the reason we got that is because we obeyed the truth. The truth said, this is what you are. And the truth said, but you don't have to stay the way you are. And here's what you need to do. Here's the truth. And Jesus said it this way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus Christ is the only way for us to have the love of God residing in us. And that's the only way we can have a new birth. And because we have a new birth, He has given us everything we need to be able to love others as he loves but notice here what do, we got to have some help here we can't do this by ourselves well he's given us everything we need when you, when you became a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ he gave you everything you need to be able to accomplish the task that's been set before us we have all the resources we need What's the resources? The Word of God and the Spirit of God. And the Word of God residing in us and the Spirit of God. But notice here, all of this is because of the new birth. And so if we truly love truth, if we truly love truth, then we cannot hate our brothers or sisters. It's sad to say that the church should be a place of unity and harmony. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us, Paul in 1 Corinthians tells us that we are one body. Okay? Now, for the body to be able to function effectively, all the members have to work in unison. Right? Say for this. You'd be in a mess if this leg right here decided he was going to do his own thing and this one right here decided you he wanted to do something else. And so, you, you know, you're not, you're not functioning right. You know, this hand says, I don't care what the other hand says. I'm going to go ahead and do my thing. And the other hand says, well, I don't know what he's doing. And then, you, you know, you, you're, you're, there's chaos, right? We know that there are illnesses that uh, attack our bodies that uh, help us not to be able to function properly. Now, it may be a a disease in in, in the brain. Maybe uh, uh, it's located in the stomach. But no matter where it's located, it affects the whole body. Here, the function of the church should be in unity and it should uh, be in harmony with one another. Why? First and foremost is because we all became a part of the body the same way. Okay? Okay. It was by His grace. We also understand because of the body, He has given us spiritual gifts. But the spiritual gifts are not to be used outside of the body. My spiritual gift should coincide with your spiritual gift. My spiritual gift is not superior in your. It's all grace gifts. Right? And so, we all came the same way. Whatever gift you have is by the grace of God. Whatever gift I have is the grace of God. But we're walking in unison together. Why? Because we're one body. But, that should produce love. Love for one another and love for others. Matter of fact, one of the evidences of having the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 through 30, uh, 23 is the very first fruit of the Spirit mentioned is love. Now, that's not there by accident. See, th- th- some people say, well, are they just kind of thought. I-, I believe that everything is in accordance to where God wanted it. And the first thing he mentions, talking about the fruits of the Spirit, he makes mention love. Why? Because if we have love, then everything else falls right into place. The reason why the church does not function the way it should function is because of the absence of love. Am I telling you the truth? The problem in the church... You can go ahead and you can trace it back to love. Now, that doesn't mean that we have our disagreements and arguments. Some of you, uh, you, you know, in your family. I don't know about your family, but sometimes we don't see eye to eye around the house. I don't understand why they don't see it my way. I try to explain them, it's my way is the best way. They don't get that. So we have a little tit for tat and whatnot like that. But that does not diminish our love for one another. Should it not be in the family of God the same way? We might not see eye to eye on some things, but we still should love one another. Matter of fact, we've already said it before. The lost and dying world will recognize us by how we love one another. And if we're not loving one another, we can't live, uh, love others. And so, that the first snapshot is a snapshot of love. Now, oh, we're picking up and we're in chapter 2 now, looking in verses 1 through 3. And in chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, we see a picture of food. Now, that's got some of you all worked up because I know some of you, because of work, you haven't had a a meal. So, we're going to go ahead and we're going to run right through this so you can go to McDonald's or wherever you're going to go. What does that mean? It means that we should have the same diet. Now, physically speaking, we know that ain't going to happen. Some of you here uh, do if we were to sit down at table and say, what well, we're having, we're having chitlins. Some of you would excuse yourself or pretend that you're sick. I would be one of those that would not pretend I'm sick because if I smell chitlins, I'm going to throw up, okay? I've been there. I don't gotta... Not everybody likes chitlins. I'm very health conscious, as you can tell by my physique. I mean, I fish. They say fish is very healthy. I eat fish. Fried catfish, man, that is some good stuff. Amen? It's fish, right? Now, they say fruits. You need to eat a lot of fruits. Man, I love peach cobbler. Cherry cobbler, blackberry cobbler. Hey, I'm getting my fruit intake. They say you need to eat your vegetables. So I like that broccoli casserole that's laden with cheese. I love that stuff. I mean, now not all of us are going to have the same diet, but when you come to talk of the church, we all ought to have the same diet spiritually speaking. The first thing that we understand the scriptures talks about, and here is he talks about milk. And First Corinthians chapter three verses one through four talks about uh, milk, and the, but you don't stay on milk, okay? Uh, new believers are on milk, but eventually you graduate to something uh, a, a little more nourishing, if you will. You go to the meat, ribeyes, t-bones, <laughs> but you. Notice he also makes mention that we should have a a, a, a hearty diet of bread. When I was growing up, my daddy thought if you served a meal without bread, that's almost like heresy. He would say things like, Ruth, that's my mom's name, where's the bread? He could not eat a meal without bread. We know that uh, by and large, all around the world, bread is one of the staples, right? Bread. But also, Matthew 4 4 says that man should not live by bread alone. Now, so do you think that Jesus had this in mind when he came and he says, I'm the bread? And if you eat of this bread, you'll never hunger again. See, the picture of the church is that we ought to be having a steady diet of bread. Let's say it this way. We ought to have a steady diet of Jesus. Everything we do starts with Jesus. Many people will, will work their meals they prepared around bread. So here, we should have a steady diet of bread. Then he goes on and he says, Not only should we have bread, but we should also have honey. Now, honey is, of course, sweet. Some of you would rather go to the dessert before you go to the main course. Am I Am I right? There are a lot of people that, uh, that uh, they, get, uh, they get really uh, worked up about dessert and, and all of that. And uh, my, my wife's one of them. She, a lot of times she'll go and eat the dessert and then she'll eat whatever we're having for dinner. But notice here that this honey that he's talking about is the Word of God. Yeah. Notice he goes on and he says in Psalms 119, verse number 103. It it says that talking about honey, he says uh, uh, that honey, uh, how sweet the word is. He said, sweeter than honey. See, this diet that we should have as believers, first and foremost... We start in the milk, but then we mature into the meat. But then we have uh, bread, and then we also have honey. Notice here that the reason why we don't do some things around here because it doesn't center around Jesus. Now, we've gotten people that have, Uh, been a little upset with some uh, policies and whatnot. Uh, They don't understand. But our policies, for the most part, is if it's not centered around Jesus and it's not centered around spiritual things, we're not going to be doing it. That's the reason why you go to Jimmy Floyd and other places. That's why they're in business. We're in business to get the gospel of Jesus Christ out to a lost and dying world and to edify the saints. Okay? Are you seeing this photo album now? Are you seeing this picture that he's painting? But notice it all generates, and Peter talks quite a bit about love. And about a love, an agape love, a God kind of a love. I'm going to close with this little story. Maybe you've heard this story before. There was a, a brother and a sister. The, the little girl uh, contacted some type of a disease, and uh, it was affecting her her blood. And so they were going to have to do blood transfusions, and they were going to have to, uh, you know, uh, uh, get, she's going to have to take get blood. And so they found out that her little brother had the same blood type, and that uh, the blood type that she had. And so they went to uh, the little boy; he was a little bit younger. And they said this. They just said, "Hey, your sister's very sick. She needs blood. Would you be willing to give your blood?" The little boy was a little puzzled and had kind of a worried look on his face. But he says, "For my sister, I'll do it." So they go and uh, to the day, and, and they uh, have him there, and they they're putting the tourniquet around, and they're starting to do all that, and they start taking, drain the blood. He's looking over at his sister he looks back at the needle. Looks over at his sister and looking at the needle. He started getting really concerned on his face. And so Dad said, Son, what what's wrong? He says, Oh no, nothing. And he kept on looking, he kept on looking at her. He says, No, son, something's bothering you. What what's bothering you? What what what's going on? He says, When am I going to die? And they said, son, what 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 do you mean? Well, I know that when they take your blood and when you give all your blood, you die. And they said, oh, son, you're not giving all of your blood. You're just giving some of your blood. And he says, oh, but yet he was still willing with the thoughts that he was going to give all of his blood to his sister. That's the kind of love that we're talking about that He was willing to give all of His blood. My dear friend, Jesus Christ gave all of His blood. And He gave His blood to those who had a disease called sin. And because of the love of our Heavenly Father... And because we have been saved, that same kind of love should not only reside in us, should manifest itself outwardly. That's a picture of the church. We're not here for us. We're here for them. And aren't you glad tonight that somebody thought more of you and gave some time that they could be spending somewhere else and came and maybe knocked on your door? Aren't you glad that somebody invested in you when they could have been doing other things because they understood somebody first loved them? And because of that, we're able to love one another. And we should be on a steady diet of milk, meat, bread, in honey. Oh, taste and see, the Lord is gracious.